not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Time Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show, recorded in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast at bze.org.au and at 3cr.org.au and of course whatever your favourite podcasting app is. And don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter at, with the handle at bzetechshow. My name's Michael Steindl and today I'm joined by my co-host Kay Wenigal. Hi Kay. Hi Mike, how are you? Good, thanks. And for those wondering, uh, Laura's exploring uh, warmer climates in uh, Queensland, so she'll be back next week, we hope. Today we're speaking to Dr Chris Cooper. Sorry, Chris Cooper, I've just um, upgraded his qualifications, who is the co-founder and chief energy officer at SunCrowd. SunCrowd is a movement founded by Chris with partner Simon Sheik, who together they've had key roles in starting social enterprises such as GetUp, Future Super and Repower Shuttle Haven. SunCrowd is founded upon principles of integrity, transparency and independence. They're motivated by the goal of a 100% renewable energy future where the people have the power. Their community-run energy storage bulk buy campaigns are the first of planned many that will help their members adopt the exciting new technologies needed for a clean, smart energy system. Welcome, Chris, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael, and thanks for the premium introduction. <laughs> Never been called a doctor before. <laughs> Sorry. I just I can't help it. I keep going to say Dr. Chris Cooper. Um, firstly, Chris, uh, can you're you... probably thinking of Dr. Carl. <laughs> you I'll could... try and answer every question, but not as coherently as Dr. Carl. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> well, it sounds from our study of you that you're eminently qualified to do so. Chris, can you start by telling us a little bit about how you got involved in clean energy in the sustainable area? My interest in it was piqued as a student at high school. I was really interested in economics and geography, I suppose how the world works and how we're stuffing it up. And um, so I went off to university, studied natural resource economics, which did include things such as mining, forestry, and all these potentially more evil forms of resource use, um, but also things like renewable energy and so forth. Um, So after flirting a little bit, I did actually start a PhD over in Laos, um, but that was more in development economics. I realised that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and inflict change in the world or positive change through that um, sort of force um, instead of academia. Um, and so I came back, um, started a business, actually became an energy auditor as part of the Green Loans Program back in 2008 and then ended up in academia with a job at the Institute for Sustainable Futures as an energy consultant. Um, that's where I did a lot of work on um, like rough, uh, sort of regulations, network charges, um, you know, distributed energy and local energy. Um, and I suppose from there, um, four, four years ago, I suppose, I moved off on my own and started doing my own little enterprising things in the energy space. Um, so I'm sure we've got plenty of time to talk about those things mm. in the interview. Sounds um, very impressive. And obviously, I was right, you've got a, a latent PhD there. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting there. I did one and a half years. I had a year in Laos. It was amazing, but um, no doctor to my name. Okay. So one of the things um, 
we read about was your um, Winston Churchill scholarship experience where you met visionaries, entrepreneurs and change makers around the world. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I suppose um, earlier last year, um, after working with an organisation that I helped start called Repower Shoalhaven in New South Wales that does community solar projects, um, I was kind of looking for, well, what, what comes next? And um, I suppose serendipitously I, I found this scholarship called the Winston Churchill Fellowship, which is where they send 100 different people from Australia around the world to learn about something that progresses Australian society, um, that could progress Australian society by learning off experts and visionaries and leaders around the world. And on the day of the, the deadline, I found out about this and quickly got together an application and a couple of interviews later and I'm getting sent around the world with, you know, a nice $30,000 scholarship to meet all these amazing uh, people. Um, and so, yeah, I went to Europe. I, I went to USA. And I suppose my thesis was looking at how we can scale community energy and participatory energy, and that is where essentially the people have more of the power and participation in the energy economy. So how we can take these fledgling business models and scale them up for success. And so, yeah, I've got some amazing learnings on that, um, which I'm now currently uh, implementing, I suppose, with, with SunCrowd. Chris, you talk about the great energy disruption with energy, you say everybody feels powerless and everybody hates utilities. People are sick of the inaction with climate change. Power bills keep rising. Am I correct in thinking that's about the disruption of the old energy models that we have and and you're utilising the power of the homeowners and business intelligence, solar systems and battery storage yep. to sell power back to the utilities? Is that like an Uber or Airbnb type model? Potentially, yeah. I, I think there is a disruption underway. Obviously, we've got 1.5 million solar homes in Australia right now, 16.5% um, of all households, and that's all come online in the last seven years. So in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's a rapid change, um, and we've got new technologies coming on now which which will you know, increase that rate of change. Um, and so I think... The great general trend that we're seeing is this uh, trend from centralised, both in terms of physical energy systems, centralised generators, um, but also the power structures, um, and becoming much more distributed and decentralised, where the power is actually coming from lots and lots of different people, um, more in the local area. And so I don't think I think in the end we'll probably have a happy balance between the two. It might be something like 50% centralised, 50% decentralised. Um, and so, but I do think that this will be the defining change of our energy system over the next 50 years, and it it does almost reflect similar changes um, and disruptions from other sectors. Um, and I've alluded to in an article last week. I, I spoke about how the internet was disrupted, um, or not the internet, information. Sorry, was disrupted by the the, the advent of the inter internet, and it mm. wasn't really. Um, brought a, it was kind of brought about the internet in a very organic fashion um, and now we have our information. Anyone can upload information, be it a blog, a video, um, anyone can edit the Wikipedia. Um, so instead of having our media and information coming from governments or big business, a couple of strong media organisations, it's now completely distributed um, and that information is stored in servers all over the world as well, almost like energy could be stored um, in, in storage.
storage facilities within people's homes. Um, and so it's a massive shift in power um, and it's almost an analogy for where our energy sector could go. Um, obviously, it's a 50-year transition. The internet took you know, about 50 years to really reach maturity. Um, and we're just at you know, year, year five to ten right now. Um, but it's an exciting change to be part of and to help drive. Well, and so that's the reason that you founded SunCrowd and that um, helps communities run local bulk buy campaigns to make rooftop solar and storage easy and affordable. Is that right? You yeah. decided that, that the bulk yeah, buys... Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, SunCrowd's been the culmination of a number of years um, that we've just touched on. So I suppose um, a lot of that academic work I was doing at the Institute where we're looking at networks and the inefficiencies of our current system and the economics of it, um, then that kind of led to Repower Shoalhaven, which was a community-funded solar model. It still is. Um, we've done about $450,000 worth of local investment in the town where I grew up, around um, Nowra on the south coast. <clears throat> and and my interest, uh, I suppose, so, so what I learned there was that, yeah, community energy is awesome, but it's really hard to scale. Um, so we've been struggling really to be honest to really scale this baby this beautiful idea that everyone is so excited about um sure we've done you know four investment projects um, but it's not really enough to be able to pay the people that are doing all that challenging technical work um in indefinitely and so my trip was looking at well how can we take these people powered models scale them up and so i suppose there was a number of findings there that are reflected in SunCrowd. Um, and so I suppose, firstly, um, we're looking at partnerships. Um, so the ones that were able to effectively scale up overseas, for example, an organisation called Energy for All in the UK, they've done £40 million worth of investment in community-owned energy. Um, so actually, it's a technical cooperative that go and partner with other groups, and the technical cooperative really develop all those projects. Um, and so in the same way that SunCrowd is a social enterprise and partners with community groups around Australia um, to, to develop these projects. Um, and also, software could be utilised and is being utilised effectively by a number of companies um, on, that I visited on my trip and organisations. And that software, you know, can drive down marginal costs and, and make, you know, gain economies of scale, I suppose. Um, to make community energy and participatory energy more effective. Um, and, you know, I, I, I met a number of people on my trip. Um, for example, one, one standout was a company called Open Utility based out of London, um, and they developed this trading platform for peer-to-peer -peer energy trading. And so that is a key component of this new energy future, which really has a much more open market in terms of who can participate and and where and when they can dispatch energy. Um, mm. So that software is really there and built. Um, there's other, all sorts of other software that I could go into and, and organisation structures I could go into. Um, and the learning was from all these software platforms and so on and the hardware and software is that it's already all built. Um, it just needs to be taken to the people. And, and I suppose that is where branding and storytelling comes in. Um, mm. And branding and storytelling was really quite... There was a number of case studies from the companies I met on my trip 
companies with very similar like-minded business models. Um, and one would be doing amazingly and one would be doing really poorly. And, and at the end of the day, you can have the best product and service, but if it's going to break through and take take to the masses, then you really do need to nail that component. Um, so, yeah, I suppose all of these little learnings we're, we're bringing to SunCrowd mm. um, and we're trying to raise the bar in the sense of community energy in Australia. Thank you. So on the specifics, uh, Chris, I understand your, um, your focus for New South Wales campaigns is to assist yep. the, the solar households where the, um, uh, the tariff is um, ending the, the, the high premium 60 cent feed-in tariff. What sort yep. of um, collective, your collective purchasing power has provided lower prices and, and, and actually offering battery storage already, which many people would argue is, a, is perhaps not feasible yet. Can you tell us about how you're going financially there and what yeah, sort of sure. systems you've chosen even? Yep. So the vision of SunCrowd is to bring transparency and trust and um, simplify the, inf- the, the decision-making complexity to adopt new energy technologies for the consumer. Um, and at the same time, is the collective purchasing power and supply chain um, streamlining of the, the energy supply chain, solar energy supply chain, to drive down prices. Um, so the long-term vision is that we have, we have a number of um, stages in our vision, and the first stage is our pilot in Newcastle, which is just a good old-fashioned bulk buy. Um, so, so there's less supply chain innovation and streamlining, but we've just partnered um, with a local solar company, and we're providing all the decision-making tools and support for the customers um, and helping to negotiate really low prices with the, the manufacturers. The, the bulk buy of what, solar panels and yep, battery? So, there's a number of offers in Newcastle. So there's solar panels, there's energy storage, and we've also, in New South Wales, there's this 60-cent feed-in tariff, um, which many early adopters were on, and that's closing at the end of the year. That's a gross meter um, tariff, and essentially there's a, a need for those people to switch to a net meter. And so we've been providing a solution around that as well. And so we've um, had a really in-depth um a screening process on the, the storage technologies because it's very early days in this market for hybrid grid connect storage systems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so often well, the standards aren't really out on this yet. Um, we're ahead of the curve. Um, and so we've had to ensure that we've got good technical advisors on the team and we've done real due diligence on all the products. We did, we um, did have Glenn Morrison talking about his uh, new proposed standards. Exactly. Yeah. So Glenn, Glenn's working, helping us out as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he's amazing. Um, not far away from you guys up on that mountaintop. Must be cold there this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but, but yeah, so we've had a great response from Newcastle. Um, and so that's given us the confidence to, to move into stage two. Um, so in Newcastle, we've had our first um, town hall event. So they're essentially just mass energy audits um, to bypass it allows us to, to inform and educate 600 people at once, and then we have consultant desks, we have suppliers displaying their technologies, um, and it's a really efficient way to process a lot of orders. And so, yeah, what happened there is that, um, you know, we, we had almost 10% of people that were there um, put a deposit down on the night, Fantastic. which was quite remarkable mm. uh, uptake. And, um, and that shows that... Um, you know, the, these storage products, you know, the payback is still probably slightly longer than the warranty period. 
um, and when we're not really trying to convince people otherwise on that. Um, but people just want energy storage because when they turn on the light in the evening, they want to see sunlight coming out of that light. And, and so it's it's not driven by economics, just like the early solar is not driven by economics. Mm. It's driven by the need to move to a cleaner energy future. And, and batteries do much more than just store solar power. Um, they actually allow us to dispatch solar power when we want. And, and so that is a key enabling piece of hardware and the control systems that control that, that stored energy is a key enabling piece of hardware for this new sharing energy economy, which I alluded to before, yep. um, because we can essentially then um, create baseload solar energy within our homes, which is a mini solar power station and we're isolated on our own, but when we have a movement of households and that's what we want to build, um, we can actually be quite powerful. Um, we can participate in the, creating this new energy market, which has peer-to-peer energy trading. For example, if I go on holiday for two weeks, who's going to use my energy? I, I could sell it to someone in an apartment you know, around the mm-hmm. corner. Um, it enables us to um, do virtual power plant aggregation. And so um, we've partnered with Proposit Power um, for our Newcastle campaign to, to facilitate that um, essentially all households that participate in that, that part of the campaign can earn grid credits from dispatching their energy collectively to the grid to help with frequency stabilization and wholesale market spikes. And yeah, there's uh, also, it makes a home smart as well. Um, So you get monitoring um, of your consumption, your solar energy and of your battery level. And the products that we've installed as well have load control circuits to enable you to not just uh, put more solar on, store more solar energy. Um, so not just they enable people to not oversize their storage systems, but rather more smartly use energy um, in their home. So via software control of you know, different circuits, for example, pool pump or hot water system. Yes, yep. of course. Air conditioner and so on. If you've just t- tuned in, you're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions Show, and we're talking to Chris Cooper, who's the co-founder of SunCrowd. And we're discussing his Sun Crowd movement and, and how it's all working towards optimising your solar panels and battery performance storage in the future. Chris, Newcastle was so successful, you've also gone to Port Macquarie, I believe, expressed uh, such an no, interest. No, we Does haven't gone to Port Macquarie yet. We're currently just building partners throughout New South Wales for stage two of our um, expansion. So stage two will be an online platform where people can participate in everything online. And so it's only, got... only New South Wales, Chris, not the rest of Australia um, yet? It is potentially likely that will we be moving beyond New South Wales before the end of the year. I'm not sure yet. Um, it depends on a, a number of factors um, um, that we have yet to determine. But, um, yeah, we've had calls from all over the place. So from Alice Springs, um, Broken Hill, uh, from Melbourne. You know, there's, there's a whole heap of um, interest, both from installers and also community groups. Um, and so the next phase is really a roadshow where we pack it up, we pack the caravan and we go on tour. Um, we partner with community groups who also nominate an installer, local in-store partner, and potentially we'll also get them to nominate some independent energy auditors for mm. people that want to have their home energy audited, um, independent, completely independent of us. So we're aiming to, to create this trusted ecosystem 
um, so that people um, are empowered to make a decision free from all the sales and dodgy brothers, uh, sales jargon, dodgy brother stuff that has defined the solar energy sector to date. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, we've looked at the solar sector and said, okay, there's a number of things that are creating problems here. We need to get these technologies to the people as, as quick as we can, take it beyond the early adopters. So, you know, we're at a tipping point where, not a tipping point, but at a point where um, we're, we're the early adopters all have that, that new energy technology, the solar at least. Um, yep. They can adopt the next generation of energy technologies, which might be storage. Yep. Um, Chris, but, your, your, um, yep. your call signal has, has degraded in the last five minutes. I'm not sure if there's any um, – I know you're on a mobile. Whether yep. there's any spots you can move around to, you know, are better. Um, we're, we're starting to run out of time. I was going to ask you about the online tool that you've got for um, – Customers, but perhaps if you just give us the address to that at the end, um, yep. give us a chance to move on to your um, blog post calling for um, Arena to. Um, uh, will you tell us about what you've asked Arena to do? Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose um, that's just from an entrepreneur's perspective. It is really challenging being an entrepreneur in Australia. It's one of the more expensive co- countries to live, obviously. Um, it's an energy entrepreneur has you've got your back to the wall because you've got one of the most regulated markets around um, that makes it very difficult to create new value in. Um, and there's all this talk uh, from our current prime minister. Well, yeah. Well, there, there has <laughs> been for a while. Yeah, there's all this talk about innovation. Sure Pe- people are getting chance to decide on that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, we'll see what they do. But. Um, yeah, really, it's all just hot air, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, because it's really hard to, to kickstart a, a startup, uh, particularly in the energy space, um, because there's just everything is stacked against you. Um, Absolutely. It, I mean, really when the government doesn't even support you and give you any mm-hmm. sort of long-term commitment, I think it's a, it must be an extremely difficult position for anybody in this industry. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, my team, they get paid before I do. Um, but, you know, just finding that seed funding has been challenging. Like we have had future superannuation invest in us. Um, and Simon Shake has come on board as a co-founder. Um, and that's been amazing. Uh, but that that's a good first step. It's got us over the first five months of our journey. Um, but we've had to essentially move out of Sydney, move down the, to the south coast, house sit together, mm-hmm. work out a repower Shell Havens office free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've had to, you know, we yeah, this is it's really tough being an early stage entrepreneur mm-hmm. in such an expensive country, um, and and then you know to to find talent, the talent that you need. Everyone's like, you need a great team to start a great company. That's what all all people say. And finally, we've got a great team. But to get them to, to buy into working with us, like they're on, you know, our front-end developers on amazing money um, working mm. at a very well-known um, website. Um, and to get him to join us, well, we can't offer that much in terms of salary um, early on at least mm. is, is really challenging. Um, and so there's really a lack of – there's lots of money floating around with Arena, um, but it's, it's going to – not really the early stage companies. And so I suppose the article you alluded to there, Mike, was that uh, one where I was quite critical of Arena's funding for startups and that um, 
would be amazing for some easier to access small amounts of money, just, you know, like 100 to $500,000 maximum just to get that startup from, you know, the, the point of validation, which we're at now, to the, the point of, you know, scaling. Um, and I, I think like you gave the example of one in the US that had been very successful with that. Was it Sunspot? Yeah. Or? yeah, and that's what I kind of learned on my trip was that the US, um, despite their... The, the, the common held view that government is much smaller in the US are actually doing so much more than ours to help their, their solar sector grow. And they have been for a long time. And they have, yeah. So oh. I met Min Lee on my trip. He was the director of the Sunshot Initiative, which has given millions and millions of dollars in grants out. And it's a very competitive yeah. process. It's not just dished out, um, but they, they have definitely focused much more on early stage startups and startup um growth stages um, and strategically funding those startups throughout the growth stage. Yeah. And they've incubated a number of businesses to become quite successful, large businesses. Um, and and we just don't have that in Australia. And it's a real, real shame. Um, and there's a number of other things that we got that are making it challenging. Uh, one of our co-founders is, is, you know, we're needing to work out a visa for him soon. And, you know, it's really hard for him to potentially stay with us unless he goes and works at a farm. Um, for, so we might lose him to pick apples when he could be actually changing the world with us. Um, it's really quite quite frustrating, but that's just how how it is, I suppose. And Chris, um, with Arena, has that got a minimum funding level of $100 million or something at the moment? Uh, no, no, they do, they do have capability to give out small funds. It's, just oh, okay. quite a, it's a very cumbersome application process. It isn't, it isn't nimble in terms of its turnaround time. Startups generally need money quite mm. quickly um, and they move very quickly to enact on that funding and deliver. Mm. Uh, and, and I suppose it's just a little bit bureaucratic in its delivery structure. Um, and, and they do give out big lots of money but they give them out to people that are generally professional grant writers that, you know... AGL type companies. Yeah, AGL, you know, $100 million type yep. thing. There you go, like, <laughs> go build that solar farm, AGL, yeah. who knows what You know, the stuff that the you top, normally do, keep yeah. doing it. Here's but, the money. You know, you even at a 10% little margin on there, it's, you know, decently look up for AGL, isn't it? So, mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's definitely tailored more towards the big end of town. Yeah. But you did... Um, indicate that it was hopeful that things might change a little bit in that area? Well, yeah, hopeful, yeah. I have been chatting with people at Arena and I'm not sure on the latest, but I'd like to think that, you know, in six to 12 months this would be different um, and, yeah, potentially then um, it might be too late for us, but for the next um, lot of entrepreneurs coming through um, with their startup, then maybe it will be beneficial for them, hopefully. Uh, Chris, we've um, just about run out of time. Can you give us any um, more information about where people can go to find out information about you and, and the yeah, opportunities? Definitely. Yeah, Probably the best spot is suncrowd.com.au. So we're working on a number of tools there that people in Victoria would be able to access straight away, um, one of them being a calculator, which tells people what their level of self-sufficiency would be by getting solar and storage. Oh, that's great. That's a and, fantastic idea. And also your level of bill reduction. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that will go live probably on Monday, but you can um, – there's also a guide to solar and storage, which is on our website. Um, and you can also pre-register for a campaign. That uh, So we'll hope to come hopefully to Victoria either end of this year or early next year. Um, and 
the rest of Australia as well, so um, people can pre-register there and just stay in that loop when we come mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're, we're full of admiration for the um, uh, the way you're just existing on a shoestring and, <laughs> and picking apples and whatever. Um, and <laughs> hang in there, Chris. Um, yeah. We didn't even get to talk to you about the um, work you've done in founding Future Super and, and Get oh, no, Up and so me. on. So that's luckily that's not – I'm not – Superhuman, that's Simon Shake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't do everything. No. Uh, but yeah, that's Simon Shake. Probably best to talk to him another time. Well, good luck with um with Sun Crowd and I hope it goes well because it's a very good model that you've um developed here. And it certainly sounds it like you're starting to get a lot of interest ex- expression of interest. So yeah, that's definitely. Great. Yeah. Well thanks a lot, Michael and Kay, for having me on. Thank you, Chris. The Beyond Cheers, Zero bye. show is brought to you by the climate change think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on Podcasts. That's a science and technology show, Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Time Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.